Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. Listen up. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game offs on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. You are listening to Dove Valley Deep Divers with Eric Trickle and Lance Sanderson. Ball comes out of the hands of Newton. It's on the ground, picked up by T.J. Ward at the four-yard line. Vaughn Miller did it again. On Overtime Media. Welcome to Dove Valley Deep Divers, everyone. I'm going to be your host once again tonight as Lance Sanderson is out back to being a caveman. Joining me again is Mr. Carl Dummer. Carl, how's it going, man? Things are good. Just uh, kind of cruising along in life and uh, still riding high on the last Broncos win and excited for another hopefully good game this weekend for the Broncos. And I'm seeing some already predicting a 42-7 to Broncos win. That would be wonderful to see them two weeks in a row blow out teams like that. That would be crazy. But uh, but no, it is. It's exciting that we actually can have a little bit of confidence in this team and and getting to talk tonight about it and get prepared for this game because some crazy things happened today. Yeah, it's it'd be great to see Denver close out their NSC opponents by sweeping them. So that's that's one of the biggest reasons why I'm hoping for a win. I mean, obviously, of course, Denver wins a great thing, but being able to sweep a division is always a great thing. And Paul. Thank you for joining us for your birthday. Happy birthday, Paul. I hope you have a good evening tonight. And uh, whatever it is you wanted for your birthday, I hope you get it. Listen up, Broncos country. Tick Pick should be your first choice to buy football tickets because they save fans money by never charging any service fees ever. Tick Pick is the exclusive ticketing partner for the Huddle Up podcast and the Blue Wire Network. Denver Broncos football is finally back, and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find Broncos tickets anymore. Because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all NFL tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that the other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all of their NFL tickets. Don't believe it? If you can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site tick pick will give you 110 percent of the difference in the purchase price that's right guys when we were searching for tickets for the mhh meet and greet for week three at home broncos versus jets tick pick had us locked down so visit tickpick.com huddle today and use the promo code huddle to save ten dollars on your first order of broncos tickets speaking of stars we've got andrew lamp coming in saying evening fellas hope everyone had a wonderful day um it's been a long day for me uh, pretty exhausted, but uh, other than that, it's been pretty good. And Andrew, thank you for joining us. And I hope you've had a wonderful day as well and a wonderful weekend too. Yeah. And then Travis Weber coming in with some stars as well. And I'm pretty sure Travis is a guy who's consistently at there at the top for the raffles. So Travis, thank you for your continued support for all the shows. Anyways, tonight, obviously we're going to be talking about the temporary change at play caller, or at least what seems to be temporary change at play calling with Pat Shermer not being able to call the game this week, most likely not be able to call the game anyways. And Mike Shula is reported going to be the guy stepping in. And so I'm kind of intrigued by this. I've always felt Mike Shula, I mean, he's not a great offensive coordinator, but I like what he managed to do with the Carolina Panthers with Cam Newton, got three of the best years out of Cam Newton's career from him, um, including the MVP campaign. He, his timing with play calls, he really knows how to play call plays to benefit the talent that he has. And I'll be very interested to see what differences there are between his play calling style and Pat Shermer's. I wouldn't expect too much of a difference because they've worked together for so long. And plus, the game plan's pretty much set. But it's just going to be the timing on calls that I think will be the, the biggest difference. Carl? Yeah, I'm with you there. Uh <clears throat> I think Shula has proven over the years he's usually a pretty creative play caller. But like I said, there's sometimes the timing side of things, but we've made that arm argument against Shermer as well. But there's times where some of his 
his choices at different moments in the game make zero sense. And so I do think they've learned a lot from each other and have very similar setups. Uh, if you look at their breakdowns of formations, they run a lot of the same formations. They like a lot of three wide for both of them, uh, but they also aren't afraid to go to 21 personnel with two tight ends. So it'll be interesting, especially with Noah Fant back this week, get Albert Okawebenam. Do they do a lot more 21 personnel or do they keep with their three wide receivers? Uh, I see we've got Cody W coming in here with a, a super chat as well, saying any word on both Patrick's playing? Uh, I'm pretty sure Tim Patrick's going to play. Patrick Sertan, have you heard anything on him? I know he's listed as questionable. Yeah, they're both listed as questionable, which means that for the most part, it's likely to play. I believe questionable is like 75% chance of playing is kind of how they, how they, the percentages they kind of give for that. Yeah. And uh, so, I mean, obviously with the the three wide receivers, the Broncos have, you really don't want to take them off the field. It's why the Broncos want to run that 11 personnel on the field. Cause that's where your talent is not saying the tight ends aren't talented, but th those three wide receivers, uh, if, if you give them, Great quarterback play. They could be up there with any three wide receivers in the NFL when you're looking at any other teams out there. And uh, and Gary Lee's Palmer coming in here saying, good evening, Eric and Carl. Go Broncos. Right back at you, Gary. I uh, really appreciate that and appreciate the stars and just everybody being here on a, a Friday evening, getting ready to be excited for another Broncos game. And, you know, it's it, it is. It's kind of weird Friday getting this news of, of switch at coordinator, but it, it really doesn't make me that nervous just because they do have a lot of guys that have been coordinators in the past. Modkins as well has been an offensive coordinator. So it sounds like they're going to lean into him sometimes with trying to figure things out and kind of make this a, a group effort. And, and so I really, I, I'm just not too worried about the offense skipping a beat because their offensive coordinator is not there anymore. Yeah. And the fact that they're going to lean in on the experience of Curtis Modkins and Mike Monchak as well to help out Mike Shula I wouldn't be surprised if we see a little bit better week when it came to the play calling. And it's not that Pat Shermer has been terrible. I know that he likes to be ripped for it, but his play calling for the la for most of the season really hasn't been terrible. There's been some very, very questionable decisions. That whole, you know, the last half or the that last drive against Washington had a questionable call in there. But a lot of the issues really fall down onto execution with this team. And so Pat Shermer's done well, but I think that we can see it a little bit better. I think that they're going to do a much better job at calling what uh, their guys want to do. I wouldn't be surprised if the running game is a little bit more condensed, and it seemed to be a little bit more condensed against the Dallas Cowboys, which helped them out. So I, I like that aspect of it with this. I'm, like, I'm with you. I'm not super worried about this. The Philadelphia Eagles defense isn't the best. They really struggle against the running game. Javon Hargrave, who has been a was a monster to start the season as a pass rusher, has really fallen off of late, getting only seven pressures with no sacks over the last four games. Fletcher Cox has been just completely handcuffed in the defensive scheme there. Josh Sweat's been okay. Um, so it's been all right, but their run defense is really struggling. It's one of the worst in the NFL. They are, I believe, 28th in success rate against them, almost allowing every other running play to be a successful running play against them. So I, I would expect them to lean heavily on the running game, especially building, trying to build off of what they, we just got from the Dallas Cowboys game. Travis Weber came in, I'm assuming with some stars, which if not either way, doesn't matter, Travis, you're always a great supporter for us. It says good evening, Eric Carl Broncos country. I'm curious to see curious as to if they will follow Shermer's plays and scripts or will they run their own stuff? Um, as I mentioned, I, the, the game plan is pretty much set. They're not going to go in and do a short turnaround. They've been practicing off this game plan. They've been practicing this script. They're going to still run that. I think that after we get past the script, we'll start to see a little bit more creativity on their end. But it's not going to be stuff that they haven't already practiced, not stuff that they're not used to. It just might be a um, little more, for lack of a better way to put it, compact in terms of what they're going to be doing. Yeah. And, and Travis, yeah, I really appreciate the stars coming in once again. Uh, always, uh, like you're always showing up for us. Appreciate that a lot. And this is a great question here. And I, yeah, I'm, I'm with Eric. I, usually those first plays have already been scripted. And so I don't think Shudla is probably going to break off from that because like I said, they've been practicing that. I think you're going to see maybe a little bit of creativity in some of the run plays that they're going to call as the game progresses, because Shula, that's one thing I, I really appreciated when he was, especially in Carolina. Now it helps when you have a running quarterback, but I think, they might even use that with Teddy Bridgewater a little bit. 
you might see a, a quarterback designed run play. They haven't really done it a whole lot this year at all. I mean, Teddy Bridgewater has taken off running a couple of times, but for the most part, it's just been pretty traditional running style. I think you can use that against Philadelphia here where they're going to really sell out to try to stop Javante Williams and, and Melvin Gordon, because I mean, obviously they're coming off a 190 yard game last week. And I think you can kind of do one of those little, little, little sneaks out. Uh, I was watching the top, <clears throat> top 100 run plays by quarterbacks. And uh, do you know what play was, was number a hundred? Was it the Peyton Manning one against the Dallas Cowboys? <laughs> yep. yep. You know, when, when you've done something over and over and over again, teams just start believing that's exactly what you're going to keep doing. And that's when all of a sudden you just throw a little bit of a wrinkle in there just to make them have to, to respect it. And so I could see something like that where you just get a little something extra in there uh, that might catch them off guard. And maybe Shula's been having a couple plays in the back of his mind just in case something would happen because we've had information that – Shermer's job was starting to become very hot. Uh, his hot seat was was hot, hot, hot. And so I'm sure Shula in the back of his mind was kind of going, what can I do different? And he's starting to get a few plays. And this is his opportunity to go out there and maybe throw in a few plays that make people at least have to respect what he brings to the table and get a few teams, if it's not the Broncos thinking about it, at least some other teams thinking about it for him. But all right, we got Andrew Baker coming in here. Really appreciate this with the with the stars as well. What's up, Eric, Carl, and Broncos country? Let's get this dub. Hope Pat has a slow but healthy recovery. Uh, hashtag MHH for life. Hashtag DB for life. I really appreciate that, Andrew. And yeah, I'm 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 hoping the Broncos get the dub this weekend. Uh, this is a big one. If you get this one, you're right back in the thick of things. And then all of a sudden, you got the divisional games. You can really go out there and win this division because, I mean, it's it's really up for grabs. Chargers, Raiders, Chiefs, none of them are looking that great right now. <clears throat> really, all three of them should have lost this last week. <laughs> it was If they were playing better teams, they would have easily lost. Uh, they, they got a little bit lucky of catching some breaks of, obviously, Packers not having Rodgers and uh, Eagles making a couple mistakes down the, the stretch there. But, uh, yeah, I think this is a really good one for the Broncos. The, the weaknesses of the Eagles set up really well with the strengths of what the Broncos can do, especially on offense. Yeah, and one thing with Mike Shula, too, that w should help, obviously, help drive him to do a good job this week is, in a way, he's auditioning for another job. I mean, it's expected. There's still a slight chance the coaching staff is able to keep their job, but it's expected they get fired. So he's going to be doing do coaching to try and get a offensive coordinator position elsewhere or even a, another quarterback coach spot. So there's obviously the pressure on him. Cody W with a $2 donation says, do you see any free agents coming in at the bye week Um, uh, it really depends on what happens against Philadelphia. Um, Denver could look to make a few moves, but injuries I think are the biggest factor here. They're expecting to get Bradley Chubb back here before too long. I believe it's still like, they're still looking at like three or four weeks or so, but still, I mean, not too far down the road. Um, they hope to get um, Garrett Bowles and Bobby Massey back after the bye week. Um, so they're starting to get the, the, for lack of a better way, the reinforcements, the guys coming off of injured reserve. They got that with Jerry Judy. So I, it really depends on what's going to continue happening going forward, what injuries occur, hopefully none. Even though somebody said it earlier, the Broncos seem cursed, and they really do. Um, but uh, it just, it's so many variables at this point that hard to say for sure. I'm sure they will look around, but probably for the most part, I wouldn't expect anything super big. Maybe a couple depth guys here and there. Right. I mean, like I said, there, there's so many guys that are, are banged up and injured right now. You're really just hoping to get them back healthy and have this team after the bye week looking as healthy as they have all season since week one. I mean, because you also have Ojemudia that's supposed to be coming back, that now he's in uh, sick bug protocol that hopefully after the bye that he would be out of that. Um, you got a few other guys that are still on that list as well. It's been going through the Bronco locker room, unfortunately. And and so once you get those guys back, you feel pretty darn good about this roster, really. And so they just got to survive this week and hope that they can get to, to after the bye week and, and push here for the end. All right, we got Chase Wellner coming in here with the super chat. Big if, but what if Pat is able to keep his job? Well, I mean, this is, I, I think I think there's times where, one, a play fails, we blame the offensive coordinator pretty quick. 
And and I think this is where you really got to watch the actual all 22 film to be able to see, was this an execution issue or was this just a really stupid call at a, at a certain moment? Like the, the North Carolina pit game last night, it was fourth and four or fourth and two. I can't remember which, what play it was, but for North Carolina and what do they do? They run a, a go route on, on fourth and two or four. It was fourth and four. That's right. And, uh, yeah, they ran a go route. And it, to me, that play has very little success. I mean, I know you're kind of trying to hope you can catch the defense off guard by running something like that, but it just was not a great play. You run your best play that gets you five yards because you have to get that first down in that moment to get back in that game. And, you know, th that's just bad play calling. There's been some plays that have been great play calls where the Broncos just have executed poorly. It was wide open for big plays. And it just wasn't not executed well. So I, I don't think Pat's as bad as some people in Broncos country make him out to be. I'm not saying he's a star as a coordinator by any means. I, I'd say he's more middle of the pack when it comes to play calling. He's he's one, one of those types of coordinators that you're okay having if your guys are executing up front or and able to do their jobs. He's not going to wow you with his play designs all that often. But he's also a guy that you don't you, you just avoid trying to find an upgrade over either or you don't avoid doing that because he's yeah. just all right like there's going to be issues with him there's going to be issues with just about any offensive play caller i mean just look at what's going on in san francisco right now with all the stuff with kyle shanahan there's been issues with him going on and starting to seems like the dam's starting to break and so it's always going to happen there's always going to be issues there but pat Shermer is just Again, he's just all right. Um, some of the issues that are there are, are that are complaints that are made are valid, and some of them aren't. A lot of play calls. I mean, going back and watching it, um, all twenty-two, been able to see all, all the whole field and everything, and it's really got to figure out: is it an execution issue or was it a terrible play design? Um, so, well, there was a there was a play last year that was, or a couple years ago, it was the Rick Gangarello. It was that um, run play to Noah Fant. That wasn't an execution thing. That was just a terribly designed play. Yeah. Um, and then he kept running it like three more times. Yeah. And yeah. And Rick Skangarola decided to stay with that. So yeah, it, it is what it is. And then Lando League says, what can the defense do to stop Jalen Hurts? Keep him in the pocket, force him to make difficult reads and not let him run. I mean, that's where he's most comfort at, comfortable at. And even just getting out of the pocket and looking around is uh, and trying to and going to try to make a play with that even if he doesn't take off to run is he can be a little bit more dangerous especially with some of the weapons that they have so you want to keep him in the pocket get pressure on him and play tight in the in your coverage unit yep exactly this has got to be your one of your more disciplined games on defense yeah. those edge guys <clears throat> and this is where i asked that question earlier this week with or with nick of who do you want starting on edge because they have to be able to hold that edge and not let him get get around the corner because that, that's where he gets dangerous. That's where everything breaks down. That's where the big plays happen. All right, we got Eclipse coming in here. I love this. Never fickle on the nickel. Big pickle, Eric Trickle. Peace and love from Philly and happy Friday, Broncos country. That, uh, man, that, that that's poetic and I love it. Eclipse, it's been a while since I've seen you on Friday night, man. It's great to have you back. Um I mean, there for a while, it was every single week seeing in, in, in here and seeing that little poem of yours and always brings a smile to my face. So it's great to have you back um, tonight and being able to see it again. I mean, it's a mood changer, really. Anyways, we're going to be kind of switching over this conversation to a little bit. And you kind of you kind of touched on part of why I want to talk about it is what edge this week? Well, we're looking at it and there's some obvious needs that the Broncos have after the season, one of them being an edge. But they also have some young players, and depending on what these young players do over the remaining eight weeks can really change how they view these needs. I mean, looking at the edge specifically, well, Jonathan Cooper. Um, Malik Reed is a restricted free agent after this year. Bradley Chubb has one more year of cost control. Malik Reed at most has one more year if they tender him and he ends up coming back on the tender. Could extend him as well. Um, Stefan Weatherly is a free agent after this year. So there's a need at edge. How big of a need this is could be impacted by Jonathan Cooper's play. Now, 
I'll get my thoughts out here real quick. And I think that no matter what, Edge is going to be it remain a huge need. They just don't have a Batman, so to speak, at Edge. I mean, Bradley Chubb is always I've always viewed him as more of a Robin type. Um, even last year when he had to be the Batman, it kind of cemented my thoughts that he's more of a Robin. Jonathan Cooper, I mean, I know it's great that he got his first two sacks and he really beat up on the Cowboys offensive line, but he was going against Terrence Steele, who was the backup right tackle for the Dallas Cowboys that got thrust into starting, played terribly there, and then had to get moved over because um, Smith was out and they got Lyle Collins back. So it's kind of take that with a grain of salt. And he did all right against the Cleveland Browns as well, but his run defense has been consistently bad. So for me, this is, remains a huge need. I think they've got two guys that are great as number three, number four pass rushers, but they got to get that number one guy. Yeah. And, and I mean, this always comes back to the age old question. How many is too many pre- pass rushers? Trick question. There is never a number that's, you know, it, it, you can never have too many. And so you're always looking to upgrade that position, even if you have great guys. I mean, look when the Broncos had DeMarcus Ware and Von Miller. They wouldn't use the first round pick on Shane Ray. Now, yes, he didn't work out completely. I mean, he still had a few moments there, especially that Super Bowl run. Uh, and you had Shaq Barrett. And I mean, but you love that. You have depth. You have guys that can come in and actually make plays. But like you said, you need that alpha that's going to really make teams have to take notice. Uh, and you heard it today of um, Tampa Bay was asked, Bruce Arians, hey, are you are you scared of, of what the Rams are doing with bringing in OBJ? And he goes, well, I'm not afraid yet, but he said, I'm more worried about Von Miller because, I mean, it's still he still brings that kind of attention uh, just with his name being out there, and he still brings some some great pass rushing ability, and um, and so we'll see how he does the rest of the season for them, and obviously going to be cheering for them a little bit. Um, but, uh, yeah, I did want to make sure that we got the, the stars there for uh, Mark Johnson. Really appreciate that coming in there. And now we got Antonio coming in here with the 1999 Super Chat. Uh, really appreciate that. Hey guys, happy to catch the pod. I'll be at the game on Sunday and hopefully we get the W predict the, the Bronco of the game. Hashtag Broncos country. Uh, so I, I guess, I mean, it, it's hard to not want to pick one of the running backs because of how bad they are at stopping the run. But I, I think this is going to be Jerry Judy's game. The Philadelphia just watching them. I'm still trying to figure out sometimes what they're doing on defense because it makes almost zero sense. It's almost like they're going into prevent defense. Just everybody drops straight back on pass plays and the short and intermediate area of the field, especially over the middle is wide open. I I mean, you could just run those, those five yard ends over and over again. And I mean, you could just do that all game and you'd win. And that's Jerry Judy right there. Get the ball in his hands let him take a five-yard play, turn it into a 30-yard play. And so I, I could see him having, you know, a 150-yard game just because they're going to leave him open on a lot of different occasions. Yeah, um, this is tough for me because I really want to say Quinn Miners just because, you know, I think that he can have a really good game, but he's going to be going against Hargrave and um, Fletcher Cox. So I think he might struggle a little bit. Jerry Judy is one that I would consider. I'm going to say... I'm going to say no offense. I think the little bit of time away is going to help kind of reset his, his the mental aspect for him. And for similar reasons too, with how the Philadelphia Eagles played their defense, I think he's going to get his chances, his opportunities. And I think he's going to be able to go and be a pretty consistent receiving piece. Hopefully he's able to step it up as a blocker. And because uh, that's, that's really been the issue with him this year. It hasn't been his play as a receiver outside of fighting for those extra yards, but uh, we want to, see him step up there um miguel came in and says stop from new mexico just tuned in do you think it would benefit would uh benefit to keep purcell on the bench until needed um honestly yes i mean i talked about this or i did an article about this a couple weeks ago and purcell with what they're asking him to do is a little bit problematic for not having alexander johnson out there behind him because he just opens up so much space for alexander johnson to come downhill and make a play Baron Browning still has work to do before he can really hit that level coming downhill. Kenny Young maybe could do it, but Deshaun Williams just does a much better job of eating up space, eating up blocks, 
and just staying more disciplined on the inside instead of leaving his gap open like Purcell does. So I, I think, yes, I think that you can, should rotate them more a little bit depending on the down and distance and situation. But um, yeah, I'd be looking at Deshaun Williams a little bit more than Mike Purcell. And unfortunately, nothing against Mike Purcell. He, he may be approaching his last few games with the Broncos too because they can get out of his deal after this year for with relative ease. Yeah, and I think... You've also seen, especially the Fangio system and, of course, Kolar in the background doing work with these interior defensive linemen. They they keep producing guys out of nothing. You know, other other teams' cast-offs become pretty good playmakers for the Broncos on the interior there. And, and so I think you can get away with maybe getting a little cheaper there and, and maybe finding another guy that can, like I said, maybe fit that discipline where it doesn't have to go out there and make the plays because Purcell did make some plays in the backfield. I mean, it, it was either kind of a really big play or the other team had this wide open hole to really run through where he, you know, kind of abandoned the, the gap there. But, uh, and Mark Johnson coming back in with more stars, really appreciate that. And I love the the face mask there with the mile high huddle looking good. Uh, just always appreciate seeing that. Now our Powell came in with a question that's talking, that's going off of what we were just talking about with, cooper and anita edge and he says which he asks which round first or second would you go get an edge and for me it really depends on how the board falls there are three maybe four guys if one of the michigan guys does declare there would be four guys that i'd be worth taking that i think are worth taking in the top 15 at this moment if they fall to you you take one i mean they're just play such a valued position they have so much potential like you just take that outside of them I'd go second, and it would again. It just depends on how the board falls for me. Yeah, and we don't know who's going to declare yet, so it's and we don't know where the Broncos are going to be picking. You know, they, they could be clear anywhere from about pick ten to pick twenty-five, maybe maybe even higher if they get in the playoffs and get going crazy. Uh, but so it's kind of hard to figure out in that range who they're going to be close to. Offensive tackle, that right tackle spot is going to be a huge need as well. And there's some great offensive tackles in this draft. So that's another position. And obviously there might be another position that some people might be looking at quarterback that's uh, (laughs) depending where they're picking at and who's available. You might see them go that direction too, you know, into the round, end of round one. I'm not going to have as much problem with the Broncos deciding to kind of go that direction. You know, it's not as big of an investment as, I mean, yes, you're using a first round pick on a quarterback, but it's not like you can't just move on. If, if you realize this guy's not going to work out. It's not like a top five pick where you're going, oh my gosh, we have put our entire franchise on this guy turning into something. Uh, So yeah, I I think there's a lot of options of where the Broncos can go. Uh, You know, defensive line, if they lose a couple guys, they could go there. Linebacker, because I mean, there's three guys, Kenny Young, Alexander Johnson, Josie Jewell, they're going to be hitting the market. Um, Cornerback is a really underrated need, depending on how maybe Ojemudia looks if they're going to bring back Fuller or Callahan, you know, there, there's, there's some needs after this season. There's, there's a reason the Broncos have like $72 million in cap after the season, because they have a lot of people hitting the market from their team. And Gary Lee's Palmer comes in with some stars. Thank you, Gary. We appreciate that. And of course, as always, we appreciate all of your guys' consistent support for all the shows. Now you mentioned offensive tackle being a big need. Now this, that's a position that I think that depending on how these last few games go, it may not, it may become one of those things where, like, all right, if a guy falls to me, great. If not, I'm not going to force a pick here. And it depends on how Calvin Anderson does. Um, Travis Weber came in and said that Calvin Anderson says he's looking to take Bulls' starting job. Do you think he has a legitimate chance? Not for Bulls' job, but I think he has a legitimate chance to be that future at right tackle. And that's where the big need is. If he doesn't step up and play well, they have a huge need to go and finally find an answer, a long-term answer at the right tackle position. But if he steps up, then they can just go and look at finding a swing tackle that can compete with Anderson for the job with having Anderson as that potential, you know, starter going forward. It's not a thing where they have to go get one. So it's not one where you go get one in the top 100 or, or where, however high. So, he's one of those guys much like Cooper that depending on how his play goes, he can really change how much of a need it is. And at corner, there's another one. And there's a guy that for me, you didn't mention that I think could be a, um, be one of those guys that again, lessens the need. And that's Nate Hairston. Um, that nickel corner with how he's been playing well when he's been out there on the field. 
And he there for a couple of weeks, he was playing over Kyle Fuller in the nickel. And they for the Cowboys game, they moved uh, Fuller inside. And there's a chance that we get to see Harrison this week against the Eagles. He's been playing well. And if he continues to grow, then he could potentially be that answer for post Bryce Callahan. Michael Ujimudi, who you did mention, if depending on when he gets on the field, if he does, he could be one of the options to help out on the boundary, kind of replace that Kyle Fuller because they'll still have Patrick Chan and Ronald Darby. So like it's not going from a super strong corner class on paper, corner room on paper to a weak one. It's still going to be a very solid room. So multiple guys at these positions that again, you can just change how much of a need that they, the Denver has depending on how they, uh, how they perform the rest of the season. Oh, for sure. You're, you're right. I mean, these young guys are getting their opportunity because of injuries. And I mean, Tom Brady's, the, the greatest example of a guy when he's given an opportunity that goes out there and plays at a high level and boom, now he's going to be a hall of famer, maybe go down. I hate saying this, but maybe the greatest quarterback of all time. Maybe yeah. <laughs> I still, I still give it to Peyton Manning. <laughs> Peyton Manning's the smartest quarterback that's ever played by far. And uh, I think he's the, the least scheme dependent quarterback because he is the scheme. Um, but we're not going to get into that discussion here tonight, but you're right. No, that, that these guys are getting their opportunity with other guys. And if they can go out there and perform, then it, I mean, as a coach, that's what I'm telling them. You're going out there to play for your job next year. Make us not have to go draft your position early on and make us believe that you can become a star or at least a quality starter for us moving forward. If they can do that. Then yeah, it's nice that you don't have to worry about those positions. And Calvin Anderson had a, a great game this last week, really. Um, even when he even when he messed up a couple times, he did well to recover. That was the part that really surprised me was because there's a couple times like he tripped over his own feet a couple times and he still made the block. Yeah. That was one fun of his, to watch. One of his best plays was he got tripped up, I want to say over Dalton Reisner's feet, and the defensive end just kind of put him on his knees. And he still sealed the edge and went for, I think, like a 15-yard gain but to Javante Williams uh, around the edge. And it was just one of those great plays. He allowed one pressure on this game on, on the game. And honestly, his game against Dallas was really the best game at left tackle we've gotten all season over Garrett Bowles. Um, so, I mean, I saw somebody there that he plays better on the left side than he does the right side. He does, but for what he is in the NFL, he's got to learn to play both. Like it's got, he's got to be able to do to switch sides and everything like that. And um, cause he's not cemented as a starter at one spot. So tell you cemented as a starter at a spot, you got to play both sides. So he's got to, if he can't improve enough to play consistently at right tackle, then it's not going to bode well for him. Now, a couple other positions here. And uh, I had a tweet about this is which is why we kind of came about this topic and one comment I got was about Caden Stearns and Javante Williams. And now these are two guys that I don't really view as over the remainder of the season as guys who can really help ease the need at their positions. And for a few reasons, I think both players so far have already played well enough to do that. And I think that with Javante Williams and Caden Stearns, they're already being looked at as being starters next year. And depth was still just a question. And I don't think that's changed at all. If anything, it's just been cemented with how they've played Stearns. He will be the guy next to Justin Simmons next year. His play was a reason why they were comfortable with moving Kareem Jackson. If they got an offer that was good enough for them to move on, which they didn't. And then Javante Williams, I mean, they traded up for him. They have high hope in him, high belief. He's going to be the starter next year. That's what he was drafted to be. That's why yep. they moved up to get him. Like it's been just confirmed now. Yep. And Miguel, we really appreciate the stars coming in from you. And like I said, just everyone, man, it's been been active tonight. This is this is great to see on a Friday night. And I uh, always enjoy doing the show here with you, Eric. It's always good conversation, man. But you're right. It's it's nice to see those guys. Uh, not only they were, like I said, they're already being looked at as possible starters for next year. I mean, it's why you drafted two safeties because you're going, we need one of you to step up and be the starter because Kareem Jackson is not in our long-term plans here. Uh, but even there, you know, the Broncos, if they keep Vic Fangio especially, but even really any scheme these days, you have to have three good safeties. It just, with how you run nickel and dime and everything else, you need three good safeties. That's why you need about four or five good cornerbacks. 
because you're going to have to run extra guys out there. You're going to have guys that get nicked up at different times and you're going to ask them to, to do a few different things like that. So I, but yeah, it's been great to see Caden Stearns step up and man, it was, he made such a great play. I mean, well, I say that he cost the team yards because I was fourth down. He should have just knocked it down. But I don't, I don't blame a guy for wanting to get that interception, man. That those those only come every once in a while to get those kind of opportunities. But uh, but no, that, he set that play up, set the quarterback up, uh, and and that's what you you're gonna have to do again this week. Uh, Hurts, you you can set him up. He he makes some really questionable throws throughout the game. Like there's gonna be about four or five opportunities for the defense to make a game changing play this week. He makes outstanding plays, and then the next one, like I can't imagine being an Eagles fan right now, just watching him play quarterback. Because one moment you're going, "Man, this guy could be our future," and the next you're going, "Get this guy off the field now." Now, real quick, I want to grab this comment so simply because completely unrelated to football. But uh, Dennis Woods is asking Malcolm in the chat about he how he's headed to Alaska. When's the best time to come to get the best weather? Weather, honestly. End of July to middle, early September, really, is the best time to come to Alaska when it, in terms of weather. Um, early July, June, uh, you might deal with a little bit more rain. And anytime after mid-September is when it fall starts to come and it starts to get a little bit colder. Um, but Alaska is a little bit like Colorado. The weather just will be nice and sunny, one thing, and then it's just pouring rain on outside. Um, so, yeah, August is really the best month, um, especially... I mean, if, if you were coming up for fishing, if, if you want to go dip netting, then July, um, you just have to deal with a little bit of uh, not as good of weather there for the most part. Um, but really fishing in August, you just can't dip net. It's pretty good as well. Um, see a little bit of a conversation. Going to change it up a little bit about Carson Strong in the chat. Um, Cody W. Cerns, three more interceptions, possibly defensive rookie of the year. I mean, he's really trying to push for it, especially with how limited he's playing it's probably still going to go to Micah Parsons just because he's playing so much more and he's, you know, he's the first round pick and yep. that will play a little bit into it. Yeah. But um, anyways, with Carson strong, um, CC's coming in and um, Paris is talking about it. Um, saw a comparison of Carson strong to Josh Allen and they're really nothing alike. Um, Carson strong, super athlete, had a lot of issues as a passer, great runner Carson strong is a good passer really brings nothing as a runner he's not a statue in the pocket he just doesn't have much mobility he's can maneuver to the pocket decently well but he'll often move himself into pressures um sometimes his reads can be off which hey that's going to be expected i mean it's every quarterback tom brady peyton manning they even had bad reads um but my biggest concern is that there's more and more information coming about his knee injury that he had in, in high school and the long-term durability of it with some talk that he won't even be able to make it through a rookie contract before his knee just fully gives out. That's my biggest concern. And without having access to that information, just the hearsay of it, it's hard because we're just trying to make a judgment based off of what little bit we hear. And trust me, there's been medical information that's leaked that's been completely wrong. Um, completely false and um, I mean there was one a couple of years ago where the player's agent actually reached out to me and saying how it was wrong and like and I, I went and corrected it but I mean it happens players yeah. or teams leak false information all the time or they leak accurate information with certain things to try to get players to fall um, so that knee injury with him is something that would have to be checked out right all right we got Peter Middleton coming in here so if we keep Teddy next year, what's his potential contract looking like? All right. Well, here, here's another one. So we're nine games in. It's going to depend so much on how these last eight games go. Yeah. If he leads the Broncos to the playoffs and continues to play at the level that he's playing at, like right now, if we took his stats over an entire season, we're looking at about a 25, 26 touchdown season to nine interceptions, 4,000 yards, 70% completion percentage, uh, which, I mean, th those are pretty darn good numbers. Probably going to finish in about the top 12 to 14 when it comes to, like, quarterback rating kind of area. Um, that's probably – if he went on the open market, some team's probably paying him 20 to $25 million. Just th That's just the quarterback market. It, it's crazy. 
even average guys get big money. Now for the Broncos, maybe he likes it here. Maybe he likes Shermer if they keep Shermer or Shula or whatever. Uh, and maybe, or maybe he just likes the play, the teammates, even if they make a coaching change and, and maybe he's willing to take a little bit of a discount. Um, I, I think if he plays well and leads the team to the playoffs, the Broncos would be lucky to get him probably for 18 million a year. Yeah. I think that on it, as you said, it really depends on what happens over the rest of the season. I think the bare minimum is 12 million and that's if he doesn't not necessarily play how he has been, but plays pretty efficiently, efficiently like he has. I think that he breaks 20 million though, at the, at the very least. Um, but, uh, really again, depends on how much he's playing cost. Of quarterbacks is going up. Um, it'd be nice to see him if Denver decide if Denver misses out on other, uh, potential veteran quarterbacks and they decide to go with the bridge to somebody in the draft. It'd be nice to see him back on that cheaper deal, but I think he's going to go for a decent amount just because of how vital quarterbacks are anymore. Um, speaking of quarterbacks, our Powell says, Eric, answer the phone. It's Peyton calling you. He says, you make the pick on quarterback. Your answer will be, uh, um, what does Seattle want for Russell Wilson? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Honestly. <laughs> that, that's that's plan A. That, that's got to be plan A. I, I know George Payton is, is going around watching these different college quarterbacks, and some people are starting to get excited about that that idea. He's doing due diligence. I mean, he, he's a smart GM. He knows what he's got to go out there and do, and he knows he's got to get a, a long-term answer at the quarterback position. But I think in in the end, his first option is going to be go trade for one of these veterans, whether it's Rodgers, whether it's Wilson. Uh, I doubt Watson. I, I feel like they're pretty much just, even if he gets cleared, I don't feel like Watson wants the Broncos, and I'm not sure the, the Broncos are willing to pay what Houston's going to want in return anyway. Uh, so I think it's between Wilson and Rodgers. And, you know, if that doesn't work out, then maybe it is resign Teddy, go get yourself a draft and see if you can build on that. Um, I think that's probably plan B. I don't know what plan C would even be at that point. Uh, um, <laughs> take the can down the road and just roll with the Teddy Bridgewater, Tyra Taylor type type as your starter. Yeah. <laughs> that seems to be plan C really. Um, which, Hey, I'm all for the Tyrod Taylor plan because Basically, the last well, three of the, his last four stops, they've gone on to find their franchise quarterback. He was with the Bills, then Josh Allen came. He was with the Browns, Baker Mayfield, Chargers, Justin Herbert. So hey, maybe we can be that that four team out of five that that <laughs> happens with. So I'm all for it there, but uh, it's just going to be uh, <laughs> it's it's rough because Denver. I mean, as you said, Denver's got to find it. People in the chat are saying it. I mean, Teddy Bridgewater was never going to be the guy. And that was a big misconception for those who were talking about how he's likely to be the starter and everything. It wasn't because we thought he'd be the guy. Um, never really felt that he was going to turn around and be a franchise quarterback. It just wasn't in the cards. Yeah. Um, so depending, say they go and get a Mike McDaniel or bring in somebody of that um, Kyle Shanahan type offense what quarterback from this draft do you think would be the best option for that? Well, you need one that has a little bit of legs that can throw on the run, do well with that. It's not Carson strong. He's not great throwing on the run. It's not Kenny Pickett. I watched him try to throw a deep one on the run and it came up like five yards short yesterday. Malik Willis, I don't think would be consistent enough. Oh, man. Um, maybe maybe Sam Howell. Just because, like I said, he has some legs, has some ability to get out of the pocket. He can make, when, when it's his first read, he can make a very accurate throw. It's after his first read that things fall apart. And the Shanahan system is set up where your first read is the guy that you scheme open. So that's why I feel like he could work well with that. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. Like, I, I mean, 
talking about Carson Strong and his mobility issues. Like he just doesn't have it. Kenny Pickett, I'm not a big fan of him throwing on the run. Maybe you take a chance on all the tools that Matt Corral has. Oh, I mean, yeah. that, that's that, that's kind of a um, very not very different, but uh, um, somewhat similar style with Trey Lance with being the toolsy type. Um, offense is very different. I mean, Matt Corral has one of the a very easy offense that doesn't help his translation to the NFL, but his ability to run, his arm ability, like that would be a great one. Sam Howell, I think, is all right. And Desmond Ritter would be like the number third op number three option for me, just because I think that he could be okay if he can, especially if you can fix his placement issues. Uh he, he can be okay on those bootlegs and uh running that type of offense. Not the best option, but there's not a whole lot of great options for that style of offense in this class. Yeah. Well, we got Marcus Lewis Hinna coming in here saying, just give Teddy a two-year contract, then bring in a young one and train him in and love from the UK. Marcus, appreciate the stars there. And, you know, it, it's it's a real possibility. That's exactly what the Broncos do. It would not surprise me one bit. Um, you know, I, I think there, there's a chance that George Payton finds a guy that he thinks can turn into something and will fit the coaches of whoever they are. Maybe it's the same coaches. Maybe it's not. And, but I, I do think George Payton still really loves Teddy Bridgewater. I mean, he's always loved Teddy Bridgewater from his time in Minnesota. Uh, I mean, he, I think he was one of them that really pushed hard for getting him with that six round trade. And I don't think Teddy's done anything to make him go, oh man, we don't like this guy from what he's done this season. I mean, I, I know some people look at that four game losing streak and be like, oh, how could they still want Teddy to be here in Denver? He's a great locker room guy. He's he's a guy that doesn't mind. He he knows he's not a long-term solution moving forward in the NFL. Like no team's going to view him that way. And so he knows there's probably going to be some ask of him helping train up a young guy and help them out. And he, he's going to be a good enough teammate to actually do that. He's not going to sit there and say, you know what, young guy, get away from me. I don't want anything to do with you. That's not his personality. Uh, and so that's why you like having those guys around. He's he's a a quality player, quality person, and at least gives you options if the young guy is not working out. Yeah, Charlie Beagle came in and said, we need someone with the speed of Lamar, the arm of Mahomes, and he also added the size of Josh Allen. I'd add in the brains of Peyton Manning as well yeah. to that. Um, uh, you know, just build that perfect quarterback. Unfortunately, for some weird reason, they're just so hard to find. Um, <laughs> they don't make them in labs these days? I mean, I wish. Um, <laughs> K-Hop came in and asked, how did Cushionberry look last game, Eric? Well, to me, he's been – he's a guy that hasn't taken tremendous steps forward as a player. He's just taken small steps, solid growth. And it's just a thing of with how Quinn Miners has looked at guard. I mean, I think that you give him another – give Cushionberry another shot next year at center, and then you continue to work with Quinn Miners there and potentially have Quinn Miners starting at um, – right guard in place of Graham Glasgow, who's likely played his last down in Denver after fracture, suffering his leg fracture against the Cowboys. Um, personally, I'd really be interested in having them work with Moody to be center because his play style, I think could be killer there. He's just got to work on the mental aspect of it and it would do a fair job of help limit the impact of his lack of length. Yeah. And can you imagine having miners and Moody next to each other in the run game? I mean, I can't imagine defensive linemen coming up and seeing those two big boys sitting next to each other and just going, yeah, we're running right at you. Like, I mean, you could tell them we're coming at you and they, they've just, I mean, those guys are bulldozers and uh, that, that'd, that'd be really fun to watch. So I, I mean, I, might as well with Moody train him up and just see, Hey, can you handle being a center? You got, I mean, position versatility. It's a big thing on the offensive line nowadays. So at least give it a shot. I mean, because if he can do it, then, hey, he's bettering his chances to go out there. If not, then you still just work with him at guard. Um, but one thing is like, you know, from the movie, The Blind Side, when uh, Michael Orr drives a guy over the fence. Yeah, that'd be like a double team from Moody and uh, Quinn Miners in the <laughs> NFL. right there, Just basically drive the guy all the way back and um uh, those who are just so bully, such bullies on the offensive line, yeah, just do really good things for the running game. 
Moody just got away and just has to work on his pass protection before he's able to be a starter there. Um, but uh, going back to this, I mean, we've all the all these young guys that can fill the needs. I mean, we've really covered all of them. Um, so let's just go ahead and move on and talk a little bit about the upcoming Eagles game, a little bit more than we have already, and uh, get ready to get out of here. So if you guys have any last questions, go ahead and get them in there. Um, get those stars in, those super chats, as you to help boost your chances for the jersey giveaways as well. Um, so the biggest thing for you, for the Broncos defense in this game, besides obviously taking away the running game, the Jalen Hurts aspect to the running game, what what is the biggest thing for you? Well, I'll give one for offense and one for defense. Uh, on defense, one thing you do have to respect with this Eagles offense uh, beyond the run game, they got speed at the wide receiver position. I mean, you, you got Devonta Smith, who is he's quick. I guess I'd say he's more quick than he is fast, but he's still fast. He can get open in a hurry. And of course, then you got uh, Rager. I think a lot of us really liked him in the draft for the Broncos as well. Uh, back in that, was it the 2020 draft? Um, I think that was the, the Judy draft. And, and I mean, I'm, I'm really happy the Broncos took Judy by, by all means, but I loved Rager as well because he's another guy that's quick. He can get over the top. Uh, he can win in a lot of ways. And, and so if you sell out to stop the run, understand one of the things that the Eagles have been able to do this year is every once in a while make great throws over the top. Now, again, Jalen Hurts, not the most accurate guy. It's, it's either right on the money or it's an overthrow or it's an underthrow. Like it, it just, there's more times where it's, it's bad than it is good, but every once in a while it's good. And you just have to hope this is that game where it's not like he's just having his best game of the year because they are an offense that can put up 30 points a game just out of nowhere. And then the next game, lay an egg and put up 10 points. So just there's such a, a variance in what they bring to the table because they have a lot of youth, just like the Broncos do on the offensive side of the ball. Um, and then on the defensive side of the ball, I think communication, like I said, it's just going to be so big in what they're doing. Like I said, back end, making sure you don't get beat over the top, front end, making sure guys aren't doing more than what their job is requiring them to do. Keep your lanes disciplined. And if you can do that, you can slow down this offense. But it is actually a pretty good offense uh, most of the time. They got a lot of things that they can do that other teams can't. Yeah, and one thing that you said earlier about it with the defense is that they just got to stay disciplined. They got to do what they what they need to do. They need to go out there and just execute their jobs. They can't be over aggressive with trying to jump routes. They got to stay disciplined and just play tight coverage push them at the line of scrimmage, just disrupt their routes, just give the front a little bit extra time to get after Jalen Hurts and just not let these guys with good speed to go and just get open or quickness to get open easily and make a big play. Andrew Baker came in with some stars saying, not a big coincidence, but I believe when we beat the Eagles, we went to the Super Bowl. And then when they beat the Broncos, they went to the Super Bowl. LOL, you never know. Plus, with Cam back to the Panthers, not betting on it though. Now, I think it's smart not to bet on it. It'd be a, uh, I mean, it'd be a huge shock to everyone if the Broncos managed to make the Super Bowl at this point. But can you imagine the 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 outrage from some Broncos fans if they ended up doing that with all the calls for Vic Fangio to be fired for all all the issues that this team that some fans have had with this team from you know the quarterback decision to coaching stuff and. They go to the Super Bowl with Teddy Bridgewater, Vic Fangio, and Pat Shermer. Like that would be that. I think there would be a huge split in Broncos country after that because, I mean, we're already seeing it. There's already a lot of fans who are really making it known where they stand with the Dallas Cowboys win. They're not happy they won that game because of certain aspects to it. So it'll definitely be interesting. Now, for me, as I said, on the defense side of the ball, it's discipline. On the offensive side of the ball, it's execution. They got to go out there. They got to execute up front on the offensive line. Um, Fletcher Cox, despite him being handcuffed in the scheme, 
which I mean, we should just can we just cross off Jonathan Gannon from the Broncos edge coaching list, please? Please, like, please, please, don't, like, watch don't bring that guy in. Um, but watching him, he still can make an impact, and just we got to go out there. The Broncos do, and they got to go out and execute up front. Quinn Miners, I mean, he's a rookie going against a veteran, and that's always a concern because Fletcher Cox has plenty of that veteran savviness to his game that can still go and just bring out a huge game from him by overlooking, um, by just dominating the rookie. Dalton Reiser has got to play a clean game. We need Noah Fant to step up as a play as a blocker. Like they got to go out there. They got to execute their matchups. They got to win and just help this team be what they wanted, wanted to be. Help this offense be what they wanted to be a running offense that can do enough through the air to just keep the ball moving and put points on the board. Yep. For sure. And, you know, thankfully, like I said, the offense is finally, I know the offensive line isn't healthy. It's kind of weird. Offensive line has been healthy most of the year. And now, and all the weapons were hurt. Now some of the weapons are starting to come back and the offensive line is getting hurt. So it just kind of, they, they seem to be um, breaking down there a little bit. And uh, we have Peter Middleton coming in here saying, who is our speedster at wide receiver now? Probably I think Jerry Judy's the fastest. Well, no, uh, Hinton. Maybe. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know off of the 40 times, but Cortland Sutton has been quite fast this year, and he's hit some high high speeds pretty often. So I'm not sure who the fastest is, but Denver still has some speed at there. Not KJ Hamler type speed, but still some speed there. Claude comes in with Go Broncos. Thank you for the stars, Claude. We appreciate that. Um, CC come, came in and mentioned Javon Hargrave in the pass rush is quite scary. Um, he is. He was the last few weeks watching the Eagles. Um, I believe since week five, he's really been shut down as a pass rusher. Um, seven, um, seven total pressures in the four games, which hey, for an interior defensive lineman of his size, it's still okay, but it's he, he's not winning the way he used to. Teams have found out ways to kind of shut him down, it's showing on tape, and it's just kind of being passed along to the next team by watching it. So unless he can figure out a trick to it, I mean, hopefully Denver can go out there and of course comes down to executing their, their matchups up front that they're able to execute and kind of somewhat keep them out of the game. Cody W with $2 donation said Eagles are built like the Cowboys. Um, in some ways. Yeah. Um, but there's definitely some, as with every team, there's enough uniqueness there. That is what makes the Eagles enough of a threat to potentially beat the Broncos. Yeah. I'd say, both teams on defense thrive off of turnovers. I mean, that, that's what they're playing for. That's why they're they're kind of doing the bend but don't break. They they want to have you make a mistake as you trickle down the field. Uh, pun intended, using your name. <laughs> but uh, but no, it, they are. That that's kind of what they're set up to do. I'd say the Cowboys have a little bit more firepower and how they can attack on defense compared to the Eagles. The, the Eagles are just lacking talent on defense, especially in that back seven. That, that's where they're they're pretty darn weak. Uh, they got a couple decent players. I mean, Darius Slay, but he's he's not even what he used to be. You know, I've watched him get beat quite a few times there with the Eagles this year. Uh, teams are not afraid to throw at him, and he was their big free agent signing out there. Um, and then offensively, I mean, Cowboys are further along because Jalen Hurts is not Dak Prescott by any means, and I'd say the weapons of the Cowboys are more proven than what the Eagles bring. And but they they do have some similarities in how they try to attack teams for sure, and then of course the run game for what the Cowboys have with Ezekiel Elliott, um, Miles Sanders is just not Ezekiel Elliott, and I'd say Bernard Pollard or is it Pollard? That's the Cowboys backup running Tony back. Tony Pollard. Yeah, Tony Pollard. Yeah, um, he's an underrated running back. I think people don't realize how good he could actually. I think he could be a starter for a lot of teams, um, but anyway. That that's uh, they are there. There's some similarities in what they bring to the table for sure. Uh, we got Travis Weber saying, "Great show, Eric and Carl. Have a good night, Broncos country. Enjoy your weekend, and you do the same. And hopefully, it is all of us celebrating this this week another Broncos victory, three in a row, and getting a little momentum going into the bye week. And I uh, got Kevin G coming in with a super chat saying, "How do you think George Payton has done so far? Pickups, trades, you know, a little bit of everything." Um, actually, Kevin, I have an article up at milehighhuddle.com that you can go check out about that. And somebody asked earlier too, there is also an article about offensive tackles up. I think it was, um, R Powell 
Um, there's an article up on milehuddle.com as well about offensive tackles for this. But uh, Kevin, to answer your question is, I think he's done fairly well. And I mean, the article really breaks down pretty much all the moves that he's made, all the trades, some, some of the more smaller moves, not so much, but uh, it definitely gives my take on it. And he's been solid. I mean, yeah. some questionable moves there. I still question the whole thing with the picking up that running back from the Ravens over Royce Freeman, like saying it was special teams. Like that, that was just a weird sequence to me. Um, just something that I just guess I can't grasp, but uh, for the most part, I mean, he's, he's again, he's done pretty well. Yeah. I'd say free agency is where he did his worst. Yeah. Uh, I mean, who of his free agents is making the biggest impact? Sobert. Honestly, Ronald Darby, but that's just because of okay. Um, Compared to okay, when we're we're weighing contract into the conversation, uh, um, you know, Fuller thankfully had a good game this last week, and maybe he continues that trend and starts earning what his contract is. Darby had a good week, so I'll give him that. Uh, but both those guys were kind of your hey, we, we expect you guys to be stars for this defense, and neither of them have quite lived up to that billing so far. Um, yeah. you know, Darby saying, a little because of injury. I understand that. I was saying Darby because just exposure. He's had more exposures than everybody else, and his play hasn't been terrible. But when you factor in exposure and contract, honestly, probably Shamar Steven. Okay, yeah, that that's a good one too. Um, th- like I said, that that's my one area where just guys haven't made as much of an impact as you were hoping they'd make this season. His trades have been outstanding. Uh, here, especially late in the season. I mean, obviously, Weatherly and, and Kenny Young are both pretty pretty good impact players in the couple games they've been with the Broncos. We'll see if that continues. And obviously, his draft class has been outstanding. I mean, when, when you're getting about, I think it's six guys who are consistent contributors on offense and defense, that's doing pretty darn good. Javante Williams looking like the best new young running back in the NFL. That's great. Patrick Sertan looking like a really good cornerback moving forward for the Broncos. That's great. Caden Stearns looking like he should be a starter next season. I mean, like I said, you, you can go down the list of all that he did there in the draft and, and you like what you've seen. Um, but of course, everything is going to come down to for George Payton. Can you solve the quarterback position? You know, you can have three great drafts where you got a lot of players who are great. And if you don't solve the quarterback position, unfortunately you're still, still will probably be viewed as a failure. Yeah. Well, guys, before we get out of here, since we've hit that over that hour mark, just a few quick things for us. Remember, you guys can follow us on Twitter at Eric Trickle for myself and then at Carl Dumbler MHH. You can also follow the Dove Valley Deep Divers pod at DVDD underscore pod. And of course, the mother account, the mothership of all Mile High Huddle stuff at Mile High Huddle. That's where you get access to all the articles all the YouTube videos, all the shows, except for the Facebook exclusive shows for the Facebook subscribers. If you guys are able to, and you don't want to go get some holiday gifts for your family, for yourself, huddleuppod.com to get some of the merchandise for all the huddle up um, pod shows. Uh, Obviously you've got all the stuff with the football priests. You got the building, the Broncos, you got Broncos for breakfast. And of course the Valley Dew divers and mile high insiders, you guys can go get all sorts of stuff there. And then if you want access to those Facebook exclusive shows, the Broncos Book Club, Kelvin's Corner, and the Trickle Zone, which is on Mondays at 1 uh, p.m. Mountain Time, you go to facebook.com slash Huddle, click on the blue subscribe button and become a supporter there. And if you guys aren't able to help the shows financially, which, hey, we understand with everything going on in the world and times can be tough, especially with the holidays coming up, you guys can subscribe on all of the services. I have Spotify, Spreaker, uh, iTunes, all of that. You guys can like the show and as well as share it and leave reviews for them, all, for them as well, which also gives a big boost to us for exposure and uh, a big, easy, simple way to help us out. We thank you guys for joining us tonight and for consistently joining us all on Friday nights and supporting all the shows pretty consistently. Um, James Grossman came in with Love the Show, Fells, and especially Eric especially Eric's analysis articles. Hey, James, I appreciate that. And thank you for joining in. It's always nice to hear compliments. It helps boost my ego, which really doesn't need any boosting. But um, Carl, before we get out of here, any last words? No, just uh, thank you guys again. I mean, these shows have always been been great and always great conversation. You guys ask great questions. And it just it, uh, 
it makes me appreciate what we've got here in this this community. Um, that it's not just uh, a lot of fighting back and forth, but it is actually digging into these teams. And you know, this is the deep divers. Of course, I do building the Broncos. We love to build it or to to dig into the roster and uh, what this team's looking like for now and the future. And and uh, you guys do a great job of leading that conversation for us. So uh, appreciate it once again. And like I said, I can't wait to to see how Sunday goes. And hopefully, it is us celebrating heading into this by the Broncos six and four. Right there in the playoff talk, man, <laughs> it's been a few years since we've been in this kind of spot. Being able to, as I said at the start of the show, being able to sweep any divisional division is always great. Whether it be your own division, whether it be the other AFC division you play against, or the division on the NFC that you play against now, like whatever the case may be, it's always great, great feeling for that. And being able to do that as you go into the bye week for this Broncos team that had that skid and they're really trying to change things around and turn around being able to help go in with an identity sweeping them with the win could be tremendous as they go forward nathan came in with a dollar 99 donation and the super sticker nathan thank you for joining us and unfortunately we got to get out of here as much fun as it was sitting here chatting broncos i'll be back next week maybe with lance anderson he might be back from being a caveman by then or not um but thank you guys for joining us and have a wonderful night and a great weekend You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.